0: Today on episode 433 of I Am Salt Lake Podcast, we are joined by Jeremy Gross, the head brewmaster at Salt Lake City's newest brewery, Grid City Beer Works. We had a great conversation with Jeremy. We got to talk about everything from what got him interested in brewing beer to opening up this brewery right in the middle of a pandemic. It was a great conversation. We're going to get into that here in just a moment, but before we do get into that conversation, We of course have to introduce ourselves. We're the hosts of the show. My name is Chris
1: Hollifield. And my name's Chrissy Hollifield. And if this is your first time listening to this podcast, you may be wondering what it's all about. Well, this podcast is all about showcasing awesome people in Salt Lake City, Utah. We get to talk to business owners, comedians, authors, tattoo artists, restaurant owners, breweries, distilleries, really anyone that might have a cool story to share.
0: All right, are you thinking of maybe moving to Salt Lake City? Are you looking at finally getting out of the rent game? Is something gnawing on you to say, get out of the rent game? Hey, you need to contact our good friend, Monique at Market Source Real Estate. The cool thing is she actually helped us find the home that we're recording this podcast in right now.
1: And for the last 20 years, Market Source Real Estate has been specializing in helping people just like you and me buy and sell homes in Sugarhouse as well as the greater Salt Lake area.
0: The cool thing is is they have a background in flipping houses because they've owned almost 20 homes themselves. So they really know all the ins, all the outs of older homes if older homes are your thing.
1: And if you're looking to sell your home, Market Source Real Estate specializes in helping sellers update or repair their homes to increase their value and make sellers more money.
0: All right. So if you're looking to move to Salt Lake City or maybe just move across town, whatever it is, you need to contact Monique at Market Source Real Estate. You can find her info at ThinkSaltLakeCity.com, or better yet, her phone number, 801-810-6773. Many thanks to MarketSource Real Estate for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Let's get into that conversation that we had with Jeremy Gross, the head brewmaster at Grid City Beerworks. Enjoy the conversation. Here we go. Uh, but let, let's start right in with what your role is at Grid City Beer Works and how that started for you.
2: Okay. Uh, like I said, my name is Jeremy Gross. I am the head brewer partner uh, for Grid City Beer Works, Salt Lake City, Utah. Startup, brewery, brew pub, restaurant. This started five years ago uh, when I was introduced to Drew Reynolds, the CEO, through a mutual friend. And then he had moved in next to another gentleman named Justin Beliveau. And Justin Beliveau is the president of our company. Drew came over to my house one day and uh, tasted one of my beers. Uh, And it's his least favorite style, IPA. And he loved it. I made him love IPA, so he kind of hates me for it. But uh, so after that, he literally gave me a credit card and funded my brewing operations. I've been brewing uh, beer for him for five years, so... The beers that we're serving in in house, I've brewed forty or fifty times, uh, just on a small system.
0: So, how long have you been brewing beer, like as a hobby? Like, when did you get into it?
2: Twenty years. So, I moved to Park City when I was nineteen in nineteen ninety seven. Called the the dark days of the Utah beer. You couldn't get full strength beer, but at the liquor store, sitting on a shelf at seventy degrees, there were very few options. So, I like a lot of brewers. You know, bought a homebrew kit and started <laughs> brewing beer. And then I uh, just fell in love with it and uh, continued uh, reading all I could about it. And uh, I was also working in fine dining restaurants, been all over, all over the world through wine countries of so really kind of in love with wine as well and uh, spirits as well, kind of a passion for me as well. So, uh, but just kept brewing and then uh, got a job at the Bohemian at, in 2003 when they were pretty new and then uh, worked there for about a year, driving all the way from Park City to Mid, uh, to Midvale. To work there for very little money, but I uh, got some cool experience. Got to uh, work in a brewery and and work with authentic Czech styles, which was which was pretty cool.
0: Were you brewing beer at Bohemian?
2: I was the assistant brewer, so I was cleaning tanks and helping with brews and uh, delivering beer, cleaning lines, all the grunt work, lifting kegs just with my back into the van and delivering oh, wow. them. <laughs> yeah,
1: but learning from the master, right?
2: Yeah, the guy I worked under, uh, his name is Chainsaw. He works for the uh, co-op, Utah Beer Co-op now. And he had learned off of uh, the guy that started it. And this guy was literally off the boat from the Czech Republic. So very authentic uh, brewing, uh, traditional brewing styles from from the Czech Republic. That's not where like I got all my knowledge, but that was a good start and kind of piqued my interest in it. And I've always been interested in those styles and going to Germany and Europe and drinking the beer there uh, is, is, is an inspiration for how I... Like to drink beer and brew beer. So, and then uh, I took a break uh, from uh, the Bohemian, just couldn't really afford to drive down there uh, for what I was getting paid and kind of learned what I learned <laughs> and then moved on. I continued to bartend and work in fine dining restaurants and then a little later got a job at Uenta Brewing Company as a production brewer. I call it their small system. Now they have a really big production system. that's like 130 barrels or something, uh, brew house. But I worked on their 40 barrel system, which is still. Pretty big. It's four times our brew house at Grid City. I worked there producing wort for a few years. And then, uh, yeah, and then my wife got pregnant and couldn't work for beer anymore. So uh, I had to quit Uena and Then I ended up getting a job at High West Distillery. Well, funny enough, I moved down to Salt Lake to work at UENA to be closer. And then I ended up getting a job at the High West. So either way, I was driving that canyon uh, <laughs> like five days a week. Uh, but I was with High West for the last seven years all while we were hatching this plan, man. You know, it's been a, a long road. We changed the business model a little bit. And then everything finally came to fruition, you know, went through, uh, started construction in June. And then uh, just as we were about to open our doors two days before the ribbon cutting, they shut everything down. So it's been a wild ride. So here we are.
0: And I want to get into all that. I do have one question though, and just because I'm kind of intrigued. So you were distilling liquor then at High West, right?
2: I was actually uh, a bartender, okay. uh, and I hung out with Distillers a lot, and I worked with the bar program, so did a lot of unique kind of uh, cocktails and beer cocktails, and uh, they have a great bar program. The, the bar managers are great up there, and the, the really, High west in general is kind of an iconic brand nationwide and kind of put Utah on the map uh, as far as liquor's concerned, so I think they're, they're doing awesome stuff. Everything they've done is, is great for Utah. And and great for for the U.S. Honestly, so
0: yeah, I was just curious. The, I was curious because I was like, well, may, I wonder what he likes better, you know, distilling liquor or beer. But it,
2: yeah, well, they get mad at me, uh, our, my partners, <laughs> when I talk about my love for spirits. But yeah, you know, I'm definitely very interested in that and have a lot of knowledge in that realm. I was a tour guide there as well, so I would take people around and do private tours of our big facility in Wandship and the Park City facility. And it would help train new tour guides and stuff. So just didn't get back into production just because of the financial aspect of it. Right.
0: Do you ever see like Grid City going further than beer? Like maybe getting into some whiskey and stuff like that?
2: Yes. We, I mean, I don't want to spill beans or anything. We have we have aspirations to do a, a bunch of different stuff. Sure. So, uh, yeah, we're not just stopping. This was kind of our first one. We initially had, had planned a much bigger production facility with like a dog park and an outdoor German beer garden, but it just got a little big and, and scary. And so we decided to take a step back and it was in a narrow part of town that didn't have the traffic and the eyeballs on it as our, our current location does. We're on 21st South and 333 West. So we're just like we have forty to fifty thousand cars driving by our place every day, right across from Home Depot. So I uh, I know to have that traffic, yeah. yeah, To have that traffic is just great, you know. So we decided to to do a smaller brewery, even though it's almost as expensive as the big one.
0: (laughs) So you mentioned you opened, you did the ribbon cutting two days after.
2: No, we were set to do the ribbon cutting,
0: but 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 you guys are open now, though.
2: We're open for to go. Okay, curbside pickup.
0: How is that? I mean, is that is that hard to keep your excitement going when you kind of have this big slap in the face?
2: Well, you know, it's a little humbling. So yeah. we're just taking it day by day. Honestly, th- things are changing so fast. <clears throat> we have the option to open for in, in-house dining and, and drinking, but it's it's just not really what we want to do right now. Sure. We don't want our experience, our first experience to be like that, what the state is is offering. So... There are certain guidelines that are just kind of limiting for for in-house.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. What? Because you got to like space people out. What, like ten feet, six feet, something yeah. like that, which would be yeah. really hard to and do. And we
2: have a gigantic, huge, beautiful bar like right in front of the brewery. Like you're looking down the cellar to the brew house, so it's part of the experience, and the bar is part of the experience. And you can't actually have people at the bar right now, so it's oh, a little bit of a yeah. bummer. So we're gonna wait it out. We have some things planned for the summer. Things we're working on uh, that are going to be unique and kind of pretty exciting. I I can't talk too much about them because they're not really approved yet. But we're going to be doing some cool stuff to pique people's interest and hopefully get some social interactions with people. And then until we can open safely and and the way we want to open. That's really the kind of path we're taking right now. Plus, we're probably going. W- we're going to wait for other people to open and see how it goes for those guys too. So,
0: I think that's what everybody's doing though. Everybody's we're we're all just waiting for, uh, for everybody else. <laughs> well,
2: there's a, there's a few places open. Yeah, there, there, there
0: are. There are. It is kind of. It's like, well, what do we do? But what about live music? I mean, are you going to be able to like have an acoustic guitar player or anything like that, like inside there, or what kind of space do you have inside?
2: We have a rooftop deck, so the whole building is like 6,600 square feet. <laughs> Two thousand of that is brewery space, and above the brewery space, we ripped out the entire ceiling. So basically, took almost two thirds of the ceiling off the building, took it down to four walls, ripped out the concrete, re-poured all the concrete, poured the concrete in the brewery to slope, so you know all the liquids drain. We don't have pools of water hanging out where bacteria can grow. Uh, and then we reinforce the rooftop deck with steel beams as we have to, to make it seismically acceptable for code to have people on the deck. So then we have a 1700 square foot deck on top of the brewery wow. uh, where the brewery is. And we are building a bar up there and we already have lines drawn from our cold storage. So the beer the beer will be drawn from the cold storage to the, the front bar and the rooftop deck bar. And we just haven't uh, been able to finish the rooftop deck bar <clears throat> we went a little over budget on our brewery, but we were planning on doing that this summer, uh, but mm, COVID kind of killed that for a second. So, But we're still planning on doing that.
0: No, man, I'm I'm really stoked that your spirit's like, and I guess that's kind of, I mean, there's no other way to do it, right? You just got to keep plowing forward. I think yeah. it's awesome. I mean, what what do you do? Yeah, I guess you don't really have a lot of other choices. Go big uh, or go home. In, in the matter. And we're with, all home. With so. what you're doing right now.
2: Yeah, I mean, we got some relief from the government. We're not paying taxes yet. So, you know, pay deferments on our loan, break on taxes, and the, the pay tax, per, uh, protection program is getting me paid still. But, yeah, it's, every day is a, <laughs> looking a little brighter, but it, there's always a bit of darkness there, too. But you got to look to the light, right? So
1: Yeah. So how, how can people try your beer, like, right now? Can, where can they pick it up?
2: At the brewery. Okay, just as come as in it, and yeah. buy at the brewery to go. As fresh as it possibly is.
0: How many different brews do you have?
2: We have we have five different beers now. We have a traditional house Pilsner, which is a very traditional Czech-style Pilsner. Clock's in at 4.5 ABV. Uh, and then we have a hoppy Pilsner, which is similar to the house Pilsner. It goes through a similar process, but it's only single decocted, not double decocted. So double decoction is the, is the house Pilsner. Um, that's kind of what they do in Czech. They do triple to, to single decoction, depending on the beer. Uh, and you, do you guys know what decoction is?
0: I don't. know. tell nope. me.
2: So decoction is a very labor-intensive process. They originally did it because they didn't understand enzymes back in the day. So during the mash, you have a series of different mash uh, rests, uh, temperature rests, that do different things. And different enzymes work at different rests. So back in the day, they just did it by a finger test. They would uh, pull a portion of the mash and boil it and then add that back. And due to the viscosity of the mash, they would notice things are happening. Sugars are being created from starch and whatnot. And uh, so they do still do that in check and it's a very very labor-intensive process. But it basically creates what they call uh, malliard reactions, these, the caramelization. You get the same thing if you're cooking down soup or something. You'll get these Ma- Maillard re- uh, reactions. Uh, it's just a caramelization re- interaction of amino acids uh, and proteins. But anyway, it creates a really rich malty beer, but it takes a long time to do. And a lot of people don't do it because a lot of malts are modified. Uh, nowadays, I use an unmodified malt, and then I go through this long process to create this authentic style beer. So anyway, so both pilsners are decocted. Um, the house is double decocted, and the hoppy is single decocted. So I only do one decoction on the on the hoppy pilsner. So double decocted pilsner, I'm there 16 hours a day. Single decocted, I'm only there like 12 hours a day. Wow. So anyway, the hoppy pilsner is. 100% Pilsner malt, just like the house Pilsner. Yeah, it's single-decocted, like I said, and it's hopped similarly, but with tetanang, not sauce hops, all the way up until the very end. And then the whirlpool, which is the very uh, last point that the beer is in the kettle before it enters the fermenter and it's chilled. I add a ton of lemon drop hops, which are these super bright, lemony, kind of citrusy hops, kind of really nice hops. So that adds this distinct kind of lemony zest and zing to, to the beer.
1: This episode of the podcast is brought to you by the Salt Lake City Dreadlock Shop. The Salt Lake City Dreadlock Shop's mission is to make you talk cool one dreadlock at a time while offering a clean, affordable, and professional experience filled with love and understanding. And I know because I can personally vouch that this is true. These guys are amazing. They will help you with anything you need. You can text them to get a free consultation or ask questions or get advice. Their phone number is 801-824-8298. You can text them, tell them what you're looking for, include your name, and send them a picture so they can give you a kind of an estimate of what your hair would cost. Wait for a response. They will text you sooner than you think. You can also visit them at slcdreads.com or follow them on Facebook and Instagram. And thank you to Salt Lake City Dreadlock Shop for sponsoring this episode of the podcast.
0: Now, you guys serve food there, right, as well?
2: Yeah, we have an awesome chef, man. He uh, just came from a fine dining uh, restaurant in uh, Chicago and worked at this uh, awesome place in uh, Tampa, Florida, where my buddy does business. And uh, our general manager actually was from the same restaurant. It's called Stein and Wein. And they do this awesome Stein and Wein. So they have beer and wine and they do this really creative, awesome food. And the place is just just packed. All it says is pub uh, <laughs> on the on the front and it's in a strip mall. And you wouldn't even know it's there. And the place is just like a local's hang out. Everyone knows about it. So they work there together. And then uh, his name's Ian and Jen is our general manager. And uh, so he had an inside shot at the job. So we ended up hiring him and he came from Chicago. He was hating his life. He was working in fine dining and just wasn't loving it. Had a chance to come out and, uh, you know, move to Utah. So we did. And uh, he's super creative. He's done a lot of Southern cooking. He's worked at Japanese grills. Like the dude's really creative. So we're, we're having fun going back and forth with our uh, creativity on food and beer and, and, and spirits and stuff. So we're gonna do some cool stuff, I think, with our food and, and our beer once we get open. So we're excited to, to bring that level. Not many people, like when they open a brewery, even if they have food, they don't, they kind of like the food's the redhead stepchild, right? And it just yeah. anger, that angers me. Like I've been to a lot, like a, some really good brew pubs outside of the state that treat the food as an equal playing field. And I think they go together really well. So. That's kind of part of our philosophy. We want elevated food and beer, and I think that's going to be a, a game changer, honestly. So
1: yeah, that creates a more solid experience. You know, when both things are high quality.
2: Yeah, and you know, it might be a little more expensive because we're using like local ingredients and and high quality meats. We're not, you know, using factory farm meats. We're passionate about you know, the environment and, and all those things. So, um, I think people are going to get it and enjoy it. If not, we'll be drinking and eating at all. (laughs) (laughs) Drinking and eating well. That's what we're doing now.
0: (laughs) What is it about brewing beer that you love? I mean, there's gotta be like a few things or one thing about it that you just love.
2: It's the whole process, man. It's the smells, it's the process, it's the science, it's the art. Like there's so much that goes into it. That's the blood, the sweat, the tears, the danger of killing yourself if you do something wrong. (laughs) Mm. Like it's 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 a crazy it's a crazy thing, man. You're dealing with harsh chemicals. You're dealing with pressurized vessels. So you can get hurt if you're not paying attention. You can have a lot of fun. You can have really bad days. Things can go wrong. All kinds of things can go wrong, and they do. Like when I worked at Uana just when you're in a production brewery like that, something's always breaking. So you're constantly fi- fixing things. Luckily we have a pretty new brewery and there's still things that go wrong once in a while, but uh, that's where kind of maintenance comes in. You got to maintain your equipment. So it's just everything. And it's, just the lifestyle. You walk into a brewery, you smell the fermentation, like, and in our brewery, it almost smells too much like a brewery. You're at the, <laughs> you're right at the bar and I'm dumping, you know, harvesting yeast, you know, I'm brewing, you smell all the smells. Like it's, it's a, it's a pretty crazy uh environment in there. Like you really feel like you're in a brewery there because there's no glass walls, there's nothing. It's just brew house. All the vessels, the stainless steel vessels are right behind the bar. It's pretty crazy.
0: Do you ever see yourself like teaching classes, teaching people how to brew beer?
2: We had like plans for all kinds of stuff like that bring, bring homebrew clubs in and stuff. So that's all kind of on the back burner until we open and we figure out how to do it. But yeah, I mean, we want to be engaged with the community and stuff however we can, but I'm, I'll be pretty busy, man. Rather than teach classes, I think I'm probably just going to be working, sweating.
0: This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Empire Merchandise. Remember, when you support our sponsors like Empire, you're supporting this podcast. Empire Merchandise carries the best vape juice, mods, CBD, glass pipes, clothing, and so much more. Empire is located right downtown at 680 South State Street in beautiful Salt Lake City. Stop in, check the place out, pick up some vape juice, and tell them that I Am Salt Lake podcast sent you. And many thanks to Empire Merchandise for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. There's so many breweries here in the Salt Lake area. I mean, do you guys all get along pretty good or what? What's
2: Yeah, yeah, man. Honestly, it's a great community. A lot of those guys have been great to us and helped us out, um, you know, whether it's like using their keg machine because our keg machine was supposed to be here in December and it's still not here. So <laughs> uh, things like that, like and then people, you know, trading ingredients and helping each other out with hops or, or, or crawler cans like that's pretty tight community.
0: I would imagine you like like to drink each other's beers, right? Like, it's of one course, of those things that it's like. Well, and, and the
2: cool thing, yeah, and the cool thing is, everyone's not necessarily doing the same thing, so you can get a wide variety uh, of styles and flavors by uh, just drinking other people's beers. Because there's things like I, I'm probably never going to do, like a milkshake IPA with lactose. I probably Ooh. probably never see me do that. Now, why would you never do that? It's just not my thing. I was gonna say it sounds good. I was gonna say <laughs> I don't think I'd even. Try my partner's that. vegan, so I don't want to brew a beer that he can't drink. It'd be kind of messed up, you know. Okay, we'll be doing all kinds of unique stuff. I mean, we had plans to do some really unique stuff. So we have an area the a brewery cut out that we're calling Jeremy Street. Our original brewery was on Jeremy Street on a big property near the Heritage Forge building in South in North Salt Lake. And so they carved it out. We already have uh, glycol stubs to this area, so that's an area where we might have like a fooder, which is a big oak barrel, where you can do some um, f- weird, unique beers in a, in a, in a in a gigantic oak barrel and get a, a unique woodiness to them. We're looking at even a concrete fermenter and doing some concrete fermentation. So this is all on the back burner right now, but this is stuff we're looking at once we get busy.
0: I kind of got lost there for a second. So you have another brewery? You have another warehouse?
2: No, no. it's just another... It's just a side of the brewery that isn't fully built out yet.
0: Okay, I thought for some reason I was like, oh, wow, they got another location that they're brewing the beer out of.
2: No, we have like very limited space, but we have just a couple little corners of the brewery where we can add a tank or two or have barrels and, and all that stuff. So once we get open and get, you know, our beers flowing and uh, start making money, then we can start being a little more creative out of the gate. We're pretty traditional, honestly. So back to the beers. So we, I talked about the two Pilsners and then the other three beers are kind of in their own category because they're all kind of ales and they're all kind of either British American hybrids or British style. So our pale ale is a hundred percent, uh, golden promise, which is a, a British malt and is a very, very nice sought after malt, really rich in character. And uh, it literally has a little bit of crystal and that's it. And then it's fermented with a a British yeast. So kind of you get these fruity esters from from the yeast that play well nice with the hops. And then we use 100% cryo hops. Are you guys familiar with cryo hops?
1: I'm not, no. They sound cold.
2: (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, that's how they're made. They use uh, liquid nitrogen. So they basically put all the hop material in a room and extract the resins from the hop plant leaving the plant material behind. And most of the, most of the resins and, and less of the hop material go into these compressed pellets and it's double the flavor and aroma of a typical hop. So they're very pungent and very strong and very expensive. <laughs> and I, so I use those in this pale ale and I put all the hops just in the whirlpool and just in the dry hop. So a lot of people put hops during the boil to create bitterness. Right. But I put so many hops into the the whirlpool and the dry hop, that you get enough bitterness, and without that astringent bitterness, you get all fresh hop character uh, instead of getting that broke down as astringent bitterness. Because the longer you boil a hop in in a beer, the more the oils break down into these bittering oils, and you get that nasty beer you know bitter beer face if you remember mm-hmm. that commercial. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we're all about balance. We don't want we don't want to have the bitter beer face, honestly. Um, so it's got a big, juicy kind of multi body and super tropical nose and 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 tropical kind of hop character. So it's easy to drink, refreshing, and you want to go back for another drink. So we kind of want people to drink more than one of our beers.
0: Yeah. Do you ever get sick of beer, like drinking it?
2: I really do. Yeah, I do you Oh, man. you do get sick of it. Especially lately. <laughs> Cuz I would imagine
0: you have to drink on the job. Well, have you, have taste, you have to taste, you know? right? Yeah, yeah. You, have yeah. To taste. you don't
2: you don't, don't want to be wasted at work, you know. Like most, you know, Barney from the Simpsons, you know, drinking under the tap or anything, but uh
1: <laughs> Well, at least you, you know course, your product that way. Yeah, you
2: have to of course know your product and you know how you have to know how it evolves, you have to taste it. In a can, you know, if you can your beer, but by the way, bought a canning line after this all happened. So we're transitioning our business a little bit. Oh, right on. Yeah. So you're going to actually going to be seeing our beer in Whole Foods starting Wednesday. We're doing our first delivery. So all four Whole Foods in Utah are going to have our beer.
1: Oh, Oh, that's awesome. Very cool. And the cans are so cool
0: looking. They're cool, huh? Yeah. I love them. Who designed those for you? Who's, do you have Uh, a- It's
2: it's one of our partners. He's our design guy. His name's James Grady. He's a professor on the east coast and he he grew up with our, our partner drew yeah he's he, he's a, a badass graphic designer so he does all of our designs so
1: yeah man props to him
2: yeah he did our, our logo and everything which is i don't know if you noticed the logo but it's kind of like the meridian of salt lake and yeah, it's I was dude, and kind, to kind of it. like kind of like a dude drinking a beer at the same time it's a g yeah. with the c on the inside you could even see maybe an, a, a trumpet from angel moroni blown in there a little bit there's levels to it but you got to look at it and kind of figure it and out
1: it kind of looks like a power icon so you get really yeah. excited like
2: not to bring up the trumpet because i know the trumpet fell down, <laughs> but <laughs> during the earthquake it's but, an uh, homage uh, <laughs> right
0: i love the name i love the name grid C- how come nobody's ever used uh, that a, name before? when we heard about, about grid know. city like it's we were like, so brilliant yeah it's I, didn't it. I didn't love it i didn't love it at
2: first i didn't love it at first because it's kind of obvious but then it's really grown on me and uh, just the way the concept of our business and, and the way it's grown and, and the philosophy of the business, it's it's really – and with our beers. Like, our beers are served three different ways. And uh, we're at 333 West. There's three partners. Like, everything's like – it's all kind of, like, come together as a grid. It's kind of interesting. So, it's really grown on me a lot. And, yeah, and I, and I dig the name. And we're beer works, not just a typical brewery because we do things the hard way, like open during a pandemic. To <beers>.
1: Get your battle scars so, in yeah, early. Yeah, exactly.
2: Know? Yeah, we're going to be ready for I anything I want to try your honey this. cream ale. Yeah, so our honey cream ale is pretty unique. I use uh, multiple malts in that, Belgian and British malts. And then uh, I buy this raw orange blossom honey from Ohio. And uh, this honey is ridiculous. I've been using it for a long time. I've, I've tried different honeys, and it was just never as good as this honey. And so I get you know, 60 pounds of honey for each batch. So I do double batches when I brew. So I'm always there for at least 10 hours because we have a 10 barrel system, but we have 20 barrel fermenters. So I do uh, 10 barrel batches. So I do two batches staggered back to back the way our brew house is set up. I would have to have you there, but we have dueling kettles so I can, I can stagger brews. So it's kind of cool. But anyway, so the, that beer is like very delicately hopped. So It's got some rich malts, same British yeast that produces some nice fruity esters and and leaves some residual body and sugar in it. All of our beers aren't super dry. This one's actually drier because the honey attenuates the beer. Honey is 90% fermentable. A lot of people hear honey cream and they think, oh, it's going to be sweet. Mm Mm-hmm. And some people drink it and still think it's sweet, but it actually finishes drier than every beer we produce because of the honey actually dries the beer out. But you still get all the aromatics of the honey, and it makes it light and crisp and very quaffable, so you can drink a ton of it. Uh, I put the honey in at the very end of the whirlpool. We have this thing that a lot of, a lot of breweries don't have called a shell and tube chiller on our whirlpool, so I can chill the beer in the whirlpool from boiling down to uh, 180 degrees, and then I can add the honey there. I could do this for like hazy IPAs too if I want. Uh, So it's like an addition to the brew house that was, you know, additional cost. But does we we have the ability to do something cool that a lot of people don't do. And what that does is it preserves some of the aromatics of the honey. And if you use hops, the hops uh, because at that lower temperature it's not searing hot, right? So it's not going to like fry those delicate aromatics. So I add that you know five gallons a bucket of honey to the whirlpool in each brew. So there's 60 pounds of honey. Uh, 120 pounds in a 20 barrel batch. And s- so it's super uh, crushable, not bitter at all. And in the aromatics of the glass, you really have to drink it out of a sniffer to appreciate it, but the aromatics just come out of the glass like crazy. It's it's really unique.
0: Now I'm on your website, gridcitybeerworks.com. There's a section that says, Jeremy says, what is this? This is fascinating. <laughs>
2: <clears throat> yeah. So uh, this is uh, my partner, Drew. He's a he's a marketing guru, so he has yeah just software companies and marketing companies, and so it's a pretty cool partnership because Justin's kind of the real estate guy, and Drew is the marketing guy, and then I'm the beer guy. To have all those like to have all those like key pieces to the business is pretty unique, because a lot of breweries open they're like oh I was a home brewer and now I now own a brewery and and then oh I guess I should market and if you don't know how to market, you don't know how to run a business, you don't know about real estate, like it is a business in the end, you know, and it's 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 tough out there if you if you don't understand the business. So anyway, so Drew started this Jeremy says thing as a as a way to create a connection with the community and so I just uh once a week or so put out a little blurb, a, blurb, a little advice for homebrewers.
0: Right on. very That's cool. cool so there, yeah go to go to uh, gridcitybeerworks.com and check yeah. that out it's up, in our And in our there.
2: Instagram yeah on Instagram Facebook it all pops up on there so let's say one
0: of our listeners wanted to open up a business not necessarily a brewery not anything even to do with with alcohol but what do you have like a piece of advice that you would give them one or two pieces of advice
2: I'm not the business guy I'm the brewery guy but I would say I would say find the find the smartest people in the areas that you need them if they're going to be your partners and it, yeah, find those people and it, you really need, it, it has to be a partnership. There's, I've seen breweries where it's a one man show and it's just, and some people pull it off and I'm like, how do you do that, man? There's no way you can sleep. There's no way you can have a family and, and enjoy your family. So uh, it's, it's really a teamwork makes the dream work, you know, so find the right people. We're lucky, you know, that we came together. And the one thing I didn't mention uh, when Justin and met, uh, Justin and drew met. Justin thought Drew was this raging alcoholic, which kind of is true. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> Justin had a family, and he's like, "Who's this crazy guy that moved next door to me?" So Justin came over to meet Drew, and Drew showed him his beer cellar, and wow, opened uh, Justin's mind to to the beer world. And then uh, when I came over, when when I had come over and brought beer to Drew, he invited Justin over, and Justin came over, and we realized we had worked together at a bar called Lakota, which is where Butcher's Chop House is now in Park City 20 years ago. So we actually knew each other. He was a waiter. I was a bartender back then, but he went and got his MBA in, in law school. And and then I kept bartending and brewing. So, so we all kind of knew, knew each other. Uh, so me and him knew each other from 20 years ago, which is ironic.
0: That's pretty rad. So when you're not brewing beers, what are some of your other hobbies and interests? Like, what are some of the other things that keep you busy, man?
2: Well, I moved here to ski. I had a cousin that lived here and uh, backcountry skiing the Wasatch. I used to do that a lot. I used to ski a lot. Mountain biking, I really love. I used to rock climb a lot. I don't climb as much, but mountain biking and skiing are my passions.
0: What about your most memorable concert or sporting event that you've been to?
2: Man, I just saw Slayer on their farewell tour. How was that, that was, man? That was freaking amazing.
0: <laughs> i've never seen them live i've always oh. wanted to it just never. well it's
2: all over now man <laughs> yeah no i They'll come back in some form
0: i was gonna say i mean it seems like music bands how many bands have had like the reunion of the reunion tour exactly
2: yeah so that's the most memorable in my mind but even though it was like a couple years ago
0: now where did you move here from did we we didn't even colorado. get there like okay so you moved colorado. here from yep. do you still make it back to colorado quite a bit
2: well, not now. <laughs> well,
0: yeah, of course. I guess My mom lives
2: there. My mom okay. lives there. I was there for the CBC a year and a half ago or so. Uh, the Crappers Conference was there. So that was great. Denver's become a zoo, man.
0: It's been a long time since I've been there. I need to make another trip. Out there I mean, though. it's a
2: great city for cocktail bars and, and breweries and distilleries and food off the charts, right? <laughs> but it is, if you want to do the outdoor thing, Utah has it going on, man. It's all so accessible. We have the desert couple hours away. So much going on here as far as far as outdoors and so accessible. You got traffic there like crazy. Try to go skiing then from Denver. It's a three hour wait, you know? It's nuts.
0: Let's shift gears to Salt Lake City. Uh we have a few Salt Lake City related questions that we ask on the show. I'm sure you've had to show friends and family around Salt Lake City, like when they visit, right? And you have to show them around. What do you what's the uh what's the Jeremy tour? Like where do you like to take people to like a hike or a city or building?
2: Well, when I worked at high West, I would take them to the distillery and give them a dis- distillery tour right away. Cause I thought that was the coolest thing they could see. Um, and then up, up into the mountains, uh, the desert, I got married in the desert outside of Moab in the LaSalle mountains at the Whispering Oaks Ranch, which is like the top of this crazy trail called the Whole Enchilada. It's like a 35-mile trail. It's like 6,000 vertical feet. So I'm in love with Moab. I lived down there for about nine months. Um, love the desert, man. Love the entire southern part of the state. It's just absolutely gorgeous. Uh, nice place to get away. Um, but, yeah, so it's anywhere from mountains to desert to local breweries to to distilleries.
0: What about – If you could change one or two things in Salt Lake City, if you had the opportunity, I guess. Pre COVID? Yeah, pre COVID. Pre -pre
2: COVID. (laughs) Pre COVID. Well, it's tricky, man. You know, you change it too much, and then you're going to end up like Denver, and you're going to be too busy, right? So, you know, if they could just maybe uh, loosen up the laws on beer content a little bit, that would be nice. Maybe push. Yeah, I, I mean the liquor laws are, have gotten better. Uh, we were stoked that the that the beer content law f- went from four to five percent. Yeah, you know, maybe loosen up a little for for local businesses, right? Because they're not lo- they didn't loosen it up for local businesses. They at, loosened it up for the big boys because they felt the pressure or they got the they got the green. So I would say that. Um, other than that, it's a great place to live, man. Uh, it's smart. I think it's a pretty smart state. It's a little conservative, but I mean they they run it pretty well. I think, and it's business friendly unless you're a certain kind of business. Uh, but you know, if they if, if they took care of all local businesses the same, I think that's the one thing I would change. Because like they think we're after their children, but we're not. The children are drinking Bud Light and Cur's Light. And, you know, the wine, wine coolers, you know, if you're lucky, that's what your children are doing, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, they just need, I don't know, they just don't understand the, the, the art and the craft of, of, of craft beer and craft spirits and how it applies to reasonable, responsible adults, I think. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, I think that's definitely the, the art is lost on the more general population here, for sure.
2: It is. And so it's our job it, and it's our job to change that. Right. So
1: yeah.
2: we're all about education uh, at grid city. And, and, uh, we're looking forward to uh, getting people in there and educating them on beer. Um, because our beers are served three different ways. Even our house Pilsner is served three different ways. So I'll talk about our last beer, our, our brown ale. So we, uh, we noticed people don't brew a lot of brown ales and I brewed this beer for my partner, Drew's cousin's wedding. And, uh, they loved it, man. They crushed like three kegs of it. Uh, it's really, it's a really good beer. It's all British malts. Maris, Maris Otter is a, a base malt, like a rich aromatic British malt. And uh, it's got like British chocolate. It's got flaked barley to give it body um, and some really nice crystal malts so it's, and a British yeast. So uh, it's, it's really just a nice, complex, malty, kind of chocolatey, rich uh, brown ale. But it's still pretty crushable because it's only like 4.6% ABV. Um, so it's, it's easy drinking. And so those three ales we serve on CO2, which is gonna bring out more of the brighter flavors, CO2, more effervescent, right? Then we serve it on nitro. So we have these beers. So when I put the beers in the cold storage, I'll carve up, uh, so I separate them into six tanks. So each beer goes into two different tanks inside the cold storage. And one is carved up now nat- uh, manually with CO2. So that's our, just our CO2 beer. And the other one's inline carbonated with nitro, uh, nitro uh, like nitrogen. So it's nitri- nitrogen infused beer. So it's a combination of like 75% nitrogen and 25% CO2. And it's done with these, we call them cellar streams uh, in our cold storage. And so they, the beer stays still inside the serving tank and it's pushed with a beer pump and, and inline carbonated. And it comes out through a stout faucet, like a Guinness faucet. And it creates this rich, creamy head, displaces the CO2 and gives it this silky, uh, soft kind of um, body and and mouthfeel. So it's a different experience drinking that beer other than CO2 where it's like brighter and and maybe a little more acidic. And then we do cast beer as well. So those three beers are all broken off in the fermenter. I will break those off into into separate kegs and either let them finish fermenting in the kegs or I'll pitch wort that I've saved from those beers that I've dosed with yeast and let – Ferment uh, and then I'll pitch those and they'll re ferment in the, in the casks. So then those are served on these British style beer engines. So we have three beer engines. Have you guys seen those beer engines? You got the big handles and people pull them. It's a mechanical engine and it, it just literally just pulls the beer and then there's a sparkler on the tip that agitates the beer when it comes out and it creates a, this foamy dense head and those beers are kept at 50 degrees. So the definition of, of, of cast beer is like the, a beer that's served in the vessel that it, it, it finished fermentation in. So natural CO2 and mm-hmm. and then served on the beer engine at a lower temperature. They call it cellar temperature between 50 and 55 degrees. And so that's a different experience of drinking beer. So that was kind of our goal to <clears throat> show people how a beer can be served three ways and taste completely different.
0: Man, this guy knows his stuff, Chris. I know. I'm like, so many people could learn no, from you. I'm so excited to come in and check out your place. I mean, it's kind, of, it's kind of weird that we have you and before we've even had an opportunity to check you out, but- uh, But we're definitely checking you out. Yeah, man. And I'm so, I'm so glad you came on the podcast and, and got to share a little bit of your story. I know we can go into more depth and everything, but is there anything that you want to make sure that we talk about before we completely wrap it up?
2: Well, our Pilsner is served three ways too, and we uh, slide out these uh, pretty unique uh, faucets from the Czech Republic. They're called Luker faucets. Okay. And they're bigger and they're longer and they're slender, and they have a wooden handle and they have a, and they side pull. You don't pull them from the front; you side pull them, and they have a flow a flow adjustment on them, so you can go with a high flow or a low flow res- or restrict the flow and then they have an, uh, a screen that agitates the beer as it comes out. So we can do three different pours for our house Pilsner, and this fits into our brand, and it's a pretty unique experience. So there's a milk pour where it's 100% wet foam in the glass, and you just drink the foam. It's pretty cool. You get a different sensory experience of hop and malt when you do that. Then there's a crisp pour, which has less, uh, more CO2 and a less dense head, and this is like crisper and easier to better to drink with food it kind of cleanses your palate um, because of the high CO2 content. And then there's the smooth pour. And this is for you hanging out after dinner, having a few pints, you know, with your friends and this has less CO2 and a richer, thicker head that stays on top of the beer, the entire drinking experience to protect it from oxidation. And this is how they do it in check with uh Pilsner or Cal. And we thought that would be kind of a cool experience with our Pilsner since it's so check heavy, And so that's part of the experience of grid city.
0: Very cool. So cool. Now give your address again, one more time here, your address, your website, all that stuff.
2: 333 West 21st hundred South Salt Lake city, Utah, eight, four, one, one, five. It's a big black building right next to IHOP across from home Depot. It's literally the only, you see our sign grid city beer works right when you walk outside of home Depot, that's all you're staring at is beer kinda of cool. And right
0: now people can come in and get some of your beer, take it yeah, you together. Can,
2: yeah. And our chef's uh, throwing down some killer food to okay. pair with the beer. He's only doing like one thing a day now, but ha- we always have a vegan option and we always have a regular option uh, for food. Uh, and he's, and we're going to do that with when we open as well, because one of our partners is vegan. And we realize, you know, the importance of, of, of that and, and, catering to that base of clientele and even all of our sauces and everything else are vegan. So even like our aioli is vegan. So no one has to worry when they come in about sauces, not being vegan, all that stuff is vegan. It's still really, really good, but you can still get your meat. You can get all that stuff too.
0: It's good to know.
2: And we have some seltzers coming out and I have to tell you about those. Oh yeah. So yeah, we're doing non-GMO, corn sugar, brown rice, sugar, sugar, And we're doing two different seltzers. Uh, We're doing a cucumber lime, which I've already made several times. It's really refreshing and delicious, 5%. And then we're doing a hop seltzer where I'm using those same cryo hops, which just create this rich aromatic kind of hop character. And that hop seltzer uh, will be out as well. So look for those. Uh, We're about to to start canning those in a couple weeks. And you'll probably see those at Whole Foods within three or four weeks, I would imagine. Or you can pick them up at our brewery. But just look for our website for, for that information to come out. So I like drinking seltzer when I'm not drinking beer, man. It's low calorie, you know, it's refreshing. It's crisp. It's good
0: stuff. Chrissy has a final question that she asks everybody that comes through here. Jeremy, I'm going to let her ask you that. Thank you again so much for coming and doing the podcast. And uh, I always tell people, you know, let's catch up down the road.
2: Awesome, man. Thank you, guys.
0: So before we let you go, can you tell us what
1: a motto or piece of life advice that you would leave for our listeners would be?
2: Stay true to yourself. Work hard. Work hard. Keep your eyes open.
1: Thanks again to Jeremy Gross for joining us on this episode. All the links that we mentioned in this conversation can be found with this episode show notes on our podcast website, which is at IamSaltLake.com slash 433.
0: All right. It is time for weekly recommendations, quarantine style. We got some quarantine weekly recommendations. Uh, This is the time of the podcast where Chrissy and myself, so we just kind of recommend something that uh, either we believe in or we've gotten into over the last week or something that we just want to recommend to you guys.
1: Exactly. And everything right now is stuff you can do at home.
0: Well, because we're kind of stuck at home. Yep. Well, we're not really stuck at home. I can go to the we grocery can, store and do the true. stuff I want. I choose to be here.
1: Solid point. Solid point. But we can't go everywhere we'd ideally love to go.
0: Anyway, what's your weekly recommendation, Okay, Chrissy?
1: my weekly recommendation, as lately, has all been entertainment – uh, is what we do in the shadows. This is a new TV show based off of the movie, what we do in the shadows. And it is hilarious. And if you are a history nerd like me, and you enjoy just weird comedy, you will absolutely love this. The last episode, they actually mentioned the mechanical Turk. And if you know what that is, you are my best friend. So go check out what we do in the shadows. You will not regret
0: it. What did you say? The Mechanical Turk. The Mechanical Turk. It was like Uh, I I want to be your best friend.
1: Oh, good. Yeah, work on that. Make some
0: notes. (laughs) My weekly recommendation. It is the Almighty Volcano. uh, Volcano vape. uh, It's a. It's a classic. It's a. It's a big classic. It's like a dome silver vape
1: machine. It's a. It's a. What do you put on your counter in the kitchen, real pretty, to make stuff? No,
0: anyways, it's the volcano vape (laughs) machine. Yes, it blows cannabis vape smoke into the bags, and then you vape them. Anyway, I was able to get my hands on one over this last weekend, actually. My my brother Rob, uh, he at Empire, actually, he uh, got him in, and he's like, "You should come down and test it out, test it out, try it out." And uh, I think I'm going to actually end up having to get it. Because it's great.
1: It's a healthy way to enjoy your cannabis. Oh my especially gosh. Especially if it's for medical purposes.
0: Well, especially here in Utah where you're not yeah. supposed to put the flame on the cannabis, but uh, oh my gosh, check it out. It's a it's a volcano. It is an investment, but it is worth it, and that is my weekly recommendation.
1: I love it. And don't forget, you can always access the entire back catalog of the I am Salt Lake podcast at iamsaltlake.com. I'm sure there's an episode that you haven't heard yet.
0: All right, guys, have a great week. Get out and enjoy the city. Support local, especially this week. Let's work hard this week to support local. And we're going to see you on the next episode of the I Am Salt Lake podcast. And good night, Grammy.